be in Romans 5, verse 1. If you're using one of the Bibles we've handed out to you, we're on page 942. If you brought your own Bible, I have no idea what page it's on. I won't even try. So, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, is where we're going to be, and I'd love for you to be there with me uh, this morning. But before we, we, we dive in, let me just kind of give you a, a, a background or an intro into where we're going this morning. Because for the last couple weeks, we have been studying the book of Daniel, and we've been looking at the life of Daniel. And it talks about the, the fact that every single one of us is faced with things like uncertainty, stress, anxiety, fear, that, that every single one of us, at some point in our lives, maybe you just came out of one, maybe you're just headed into one, maybe you're in one right now, we'll find ourselves in the middle of an overwhelming circumstance. Or a situation that we just look at and go, I don't know how in the world I'm going to make it through this one. I don't know how in the world it'll, it'll turn out. In fact, many times as we walk into these things in our lives, they're completely outside of our control. And we've been looking at Daniel's life because Daniel is a guy that time after time after time in his life, he was faced with these overwhelming situations, these overwhelming circumstances. But as a very young man, Daniel saw his hometown destroyed. He, he probably witnessed many of his family and friends being killed. He was taken hostage and made a slave in a, a foreign land. And he, even once he graduated the three-year master's degree, which was either graduate or die, um, even in a foreign land, he, he was time after time, his life, the lives of his friends were, were put at risk. Um, many times Daniel was faced with the idea of would he choose his God and risk his life? Or would he choose a king and disobey and dishonor his God? And we've seen time after time after time that Daniel chose God. And time after time after time in Daniel's life, God showed up and did incredible, incredible things. Which probably, for many of us, leaves us with a certain level of conflict between our life and the life of Daniel. Because as we kind of conclude the, the study on Daniel, we go, man, that's awesome. Like, you know, Daniel, Daniel went as a slave and became the second in leadership over all of Babylon. But that's not my story. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they, they went into the fiery furnace and, and Jesus showed up and they came out of the fiery furnace. But that's not my story. In fact, there was a leadership shift in Babylon, and Daniel once again remains second in command. And you go, hey, like, listen, I've gone through some change in my life, and I did not come out on top of that change. In fact, Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, and I love this in Scripture, that Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, and he gets thrown in the den with a thankful heart. And I believe all, all Daniel did in the lion's den is just worship, worship God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Darius, who threw Daniel in the lion's den, stayed up all night freaking out over the situation. And yet there's probably many of us here who go, but wait a minute, that's not my story. And so what I want to talk about this morning is what happens in your life and my life when we've been studying Daniel and, and things just turn out for his good. God continues to show up. Uh, people are, are, their lives are changed. People know who God is, I believe Nebuchadnezzar uh, ends up in a relationship with God because of Daniel's witness and the way that, that God showed up time and time again. But for you and for me who, who maybe are left, maybe you are still in the same situation you were in when we started this series. In fact, maybe you're in a new one. <laughs> maybe we got through the series and go, hey, now I'm in the middle of a new thing. And you go, man, what, what, do, I, what do I do with this? And, and here's what, what we're just going to talk about this morning is how do we know God is good in a world that seems so bad. Now, now here's, here's my disclaimer a little bit for you, because I honestly don't know how this one's going to go. There's times in my life where I feel like God gives me messages that I'm supposed to preach to you. And I thought this was one of those things that I was going to preach to you, that, that I was going to come to you today and say, I have this one all figured out in my life. And what I do know is that every single one of us has the option, we have the opportunity, we have the responsibility in our lives, that we can choose what we're going to focus on. That you and I can choose, am I going to focus on Christ, or am I going to focus on my circumstances? Now, now, here's the deal. If you and I focus on our circumstances, our lives will be a wreck. I mean, right? Our lives will be a mess. We'll go from high highs to low lows. We'll be, if we look at our situations, if we look at the circumstances, we'll be filled with 
things like fear, anxiety, uncertainty. Uh, Every problem will be a big problem. Every situation that happens will be the end of the world kind of situation. But you and I could choose to focus on Christ. I mean, one of the things I was just thinking about as we were singing that song, which is how great is our God, is how in the world do we remain people who can sing that with integrity no matter what's happening in our lives? And the reason I say that I don't have this all figured out yet is, like, we had an awesome Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was awesome. The day after Thanksgiving was awesome. Yesterday we were at a wedding, and the wedding was awesome. Like, the wedding celebration is beautiful because the wedding celebration is God's idea. Like, if you ever think God's a boring God, you should dig into Scripture more because God, like, comes up with the idea of, hey, when people get married, we should throw a party. And, like, our God invented the party, and I just think heaven's going to be one glorious celebration. In fact, this has nothing to do with the message, but in fact, when we get to heaven, uh, the Bible actually closes out, Revelation begins to close out with, with the banquet, that we come to his banqueting table, and God throws us a party. And so we, so we did all that, and that was awesome. And then my mother called me this morning at 5 a.m. I just woke up, and she said, hey, your grandmother has passed away. And now, it wasn't totally unexpected. Uh, she's been sick for, for quite some time, and um, we kind of had a feeling that, that we were getting there, but, but I, I kind of had that quiet moment this morning in my home, and I thought, this message isn't for you. This message is for me. And so I'm just going to kind of publicly hash this one out with you this morning. But how do, we, how do we handle these things? Like, how in the world can we sing how great is our God When we're in the middle of conflict, we're in the middle of uncertainty. Because let's just be honest, right? Let's be honest with one another. Every single one of us desires a life that is free from stress, free from anxiety, free from uncertainty. Like every single one of us wants a life that's free of overwhelming situations and overwhelming circumstances. But this is the truth. Never by God are we promised that life. And never in this life will we experience that. Like you and I, time after time after time after time after time again, will be faced with stressful situations. We'll be faced with things that cause us to be anxious, which is why there's 365 verses in the, in the, in the Bible that say, do not fear. And you go, well, I wonder why God took so much time to tell us not to be afraid. Because he knew that we would constantly face things that would make us be afraid. And like, we're never promised those things. And yet, as we look at the life of Daniel, here's a guy that every time he came face to face with conflict, stress, fear, like, listen, listen, listen. Like, every single one of us has probably gone through some stuff, but seriously, like, when was the last time somebody threw you in a fiery furnace? Like, that one, that one didn't happen. Like, your boss did not throw you in a pit of hungry lions last week. Like, it, it didn't happen. Like, you and I have gone through some stuff, but I look at the life of Daniel and I go, that boy saw some stuff. And, like, I don't know about you, but I've never been jealous of Daniel. Like, I never through this study of him, like, God, make me a Daniel. I'm like, uh-uh, mm-mm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, maybe. I mean, maybe, but I, like, I don't want Daniel's life. I don't want to be a slave for 75 years in a foreign land and have nothing to show for it and from time and time and time and again have to make the hard decisions. But this is what I love about Daniel. The one thing I do desire from Daniel, the one thing that I look at Daniel's life and go, if I could somehow obtain this, I think I would be better off, or maybe my life would be completely different. Is that what I see in Daniel is time and time and time again, and this isn't like a flash in the pan. This is over 75 to 85 years of his life, is that we see Daniel was a guy who had an incredible amount of peace. That no matter what he was faced with, I mean, you can't say Daniel lived an easy life. And you can't say he never experienced sadness or sorrow or stress and anxiety. But what you can say is that whenever he was faced with those things, Daniel had an incredible amount of faith in his God. And I would say because of his his faith in God, he also experienced an incredible amount of peace. And so what I want to talk about is how do you and I experience the peace that Daniel had? Because I believe with all my heart, That according to scripture, you and I have the opportunity that it is available to us. That you and I can experience the same kind of peace that Daniel experienced. When we face things like stress, anxiety, uncertainty, sadness, 
disappointment, when you and I are faced with overwhelming situations, I believe with all my heart, according to Scripture, because of Jesus, that you and I can experience peace. But if you and I want to experience the peace Daniel experienced, I think we need two things. The first one is this. We need peace with God. We need peace with God. In fact, if you are in Romans chapter 5, I want to read this scripture verse this morning. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. We're going to go all the way to verse 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Paul says this. This is Paul who Jesus radically gets a hold of his life and his heart. Paul once opposed Christ, once opposed Christians. And Jesus blinds him, knocks him off his horse, has a conversation with him, reveals himself to him. And Paul goes, I don't have anything other to do than to respond to a holy, holy, holy God. And Paul becomes radically saved by Jesus, gives his life to him. And, and Paul understands things like salvation, grace, mercy, more than probably most people. And this is what he says. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now this, is, this is important. In fact, we're going to come back to verse 1. I'm going to tell you verse 1 is probably the mo- most important verse here because this is the basis of everything else. So what Paul says is because you and I have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And it's through Jesus that we have this peace. He goes on in verse 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and which we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So like, to me, this is, this is really interesting because what Paul says is because of what happens in verse 1, because of this justification through faith that takes place, that you and I have peace with God. Now, 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 now don't miss this. What he says is that when we have peace with God, we then have the peace of God. Okay, let's not confuse those two. The first is peace with God. He says, listen, we've been justified, we have faith, it's through Jesus. And then he says, listen, because of this justification, because of this relationship, because of this reconciliation, because of that, because we have peace with God, that when we look at our sufferings, we can rejoice. He goes, listen, we can be people that even in the midst of anxiety and fear and stress and disappointment and sadness, that we could stand in a place like this and say, how great is our God? How great is him? How great is he? We love him, and we adore him, and we worship him. We can put our faith in him because his character is not defined by our circumstance. In fact, Paul, I think, would say to you, and he would say to me, that no matter what we're currently going through, we should rejoice. That it's actually a time of, of celebration because whatever it is we're going through, even though we're going through it, and even though it's significant, and even though it directly affects us, God wants to do something through that. Like the thing you're going through now is actually part of God's will and plan for your life because he wants to do something in you. I mean, listen to his words. I'm not making this up, right? More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And you go, well, no big deal. And he goes, but wait a minute. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul says, if we would truly understand what it means to be justified, what it means to have peace with God, then maybe we'd be, begin to experience the peace of God. So what I want to do, and I don't do this to you very often, mainly because I love you. But this morning, I want to talk about some deep theological words. Because Paul, Paul makes the point that justification, peace with God, leads to the peace of God. Of God. So I want to talk about justification this morning because justification is all about our legal standing with God. That probably doesn't make sense to most of us, and so I want to show you um, an illustration this morning. 
we used these three circles last week, and so we just retooled them for this week. So according to Scripture, you and I have sin in our lives, right? We, we all have a sin issue. Romans 3.23, Romans for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a universal problem. Every single one of us has it. Now, here's, here's the deal. Like, if, if I'm just being honest with, with you, most of us do not take our sin seriously enough. We look at sin and we go, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to. Yeah, I know that's not supposed to be there. Or, or we can kind of rationalize it. We go, well, I know, but I'm working on it. Oh, it's not really my fault. Or one day, or whatever. But here, here's what Scripture says. Your sin and my sin not only separates us from God, that we're broken in our relationship with him, but it leads to death. That it leads to both spiritual death, that we're disconnected from God, that we're missing out on something we were created for, that, that it also leads to physical death. That the reason that things like sickness and decay and rot and, and, and death in this world exists is because sin has entered the world through our rebellion of God. That in the garden, Adam and Eve rebelled, and in that rebellion, sin entered the world, but that was never God's plan, that was never God's design. God created a world without sin because God is a God who's without sin. That he's holy, 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 and he's perfect. Now, now here's the thing. One of the reasons I say that, that you and I don't take our sins seriously enough is because Romans chapter 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Which means when you and I sin, that what we really deserve is death. So that's why when we say things like, God owes me, the reality is the only thing a holy, 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 righteous God owes anybody is death. Because we've rebelled against him. And that our sin is our problem, even though we inherited it from Adam and from Eve. Now, now here's, here's the beautiful part of the gospel. is What the gospel says, according to scripture, is that because God loves us, and because God desires a relationship with every single one of us, he sent his son Jesus. Like, that's why we get so jacked up about Christmas. It's not all about the Christmas trees, and it's not all about the lights, but listen, those are really cool, and I, I love those, and our Christmas trees are already up. Don't judge me. It's awesome. You should go home and put yours up. And, and that stuff's all, all good and dandy, but it's about Jesus. It's about the coming of Emmanuel. It's about the coming of the Savior. It's about Jesus would come and be with us, and the reason he would come and be with us is because we're so far and because we're so separated that Jesus would take on our flesh so that we could see him so we could know him, so that we could understand who the Messiah is and that he would come and live a holy and perfect life. And though, even though he was blameless, he would go to the cross for your sins and for my sins. And what we understand according to Scripture is that when Jesus dies on the cross, he dies as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. Now, now what this means is that Jesus takes our sin, and he washes us clean. He actually removes the sin from our lives. He takes the sin from our lives, and he makes us new. He washes us clean. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful truth in Scripture, that when Jesus goes to the cross, he dies as your sin. He dies as my sin. This is where we get these beautiful scriptures like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that no one should perish, but whoever believes in him should have eternal life. That God loves us and desires for us to be in a relationship with him. In fact, I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, 8, But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus' death was all about you and I, having sin removed from our lives. Now, here's the thing. In a room this size, there's probably many of us who are still probably trying to remove our sin on our own accord, trying to be good, at least better than the next guy, trying to do religious things to try to wash our, ourselves out, trying to be super spiritual, but none of those things work. The, the, the purifications of sin or salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone. And I'm going to get really, really technical here, and I'm probably going to lose like 90% of you, and that's okay. But I, but I want you to see this, and I want you to know this, okay? Because Paul makes the point justification. I think he's being really, really specific. 
when you and I are presented with the gospel, when we hear the good news of Jesus, for many of you here who are Christ followers or believers, there's something at some point in your life that welled up inside of you. That there was something inside of you that at one point you went, man, that, that sin is a problem. And all of a sudden you had this awakening inside of you. You go, you know what? I, I think I need Jesus. And that was a completely new thought from you. And I, I would say the reason that was a new thought for you is because God gave you that thought. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, it's called the gospel call. He began to say, I'm knocking on your heart if you let me in. I stand at the door and knock. If you let me in, I would save you. I'd give you life everlasting. I would remove your sin. I would make you a new creation. I would unify me. I'd unify you with the Father. And so many of us have responded to that call. Maybe there's some of you here today, as I'm talking about this, there's this awakening inside of you. There's this realization inside of you. For me, I remember sitting in church for years, and one day it felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I mean, it felt like my heart was just going to explode. And I thought, if I don't respond to this thing, I'm going to die. And I remember that minute going, Jesus, I know more than ever, I need you. I give my life to you. Forgive me. I'm not even sure what happens next, but I know in this moment I need you more than anything. What scripture says that is the gospel call is given to us. It's an act of God. It's by his grace. It's by his mercy. I think God gives the call to everyone. But what happens then is there's this thing that happens where you and I respond to repentance. That we would say, hey, I want to respond to the gospel. And I want to I say to God, hey, I need you to forgive me. I invite you into my life. I'm responding to the work you're doing into me. And then there's this thing called regeneration. Right? These are awesome words. Gospel call, regeneration where God begins to do a work inside of you. And we would say that what happens is, is when you hear the gospel call, and as you begin to respond to it, you would be, we call that conversion, that there's this thing happening inside of you. And what's really happening inside of you is regeneration, that God's giving you a new heart, a new mind, a new self. And see, for many of us, we go, that's awesome. And this is the gospel as we understand it, that we have sin, and that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he rose again so that I might be forgiven. But there's a third thing. There's a third thing that sometimes we forget about. Okay, There's this this third happening, and this is what Paul's getting very specific on. Because here's the thing, I want you to see this, is if we go from sin to no sin, we're still neutral. Like this is, I'm just at zero. Like I don't have sin, but I don't have anything else either. Like I'm just kind of a clean slate. Now if God left us like this, it would still be up to our good works. Like, this is a half gospel. That Jesus would say, hey, I've come to forgive you and make you clean. And once I make you clean, you better not mess up. Because if you mess up, you go back to this. And like, I just don't know how many times you can... So anyway, so this is what happens. So there's this third thing that Paul's talking about. And it's called justification, which is the big theological word. And what it says is that because of Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection... That not only does God take away our sin and make us clean, but just as you and I inherited the sin from Adam and Eve, what happens is we inherit the righteousness of Christ. And so what happens is that when you and I respond to the gospel in our lives, we're not just made clean, we're not just made new, But literally the thoughts, the feelings, and the legal standing that Christ has with his Father is given to you and is given to me. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart... One believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. See, this is why you and I have access to God. This is why we have relationship with God. Is because when he looks at you and when he looks at me, he actually doesn't see our works. He doesn't see our sin. But he sees the righteousness of Christ. Which is why scripture would call us things like saints. This is why scripture would say things like we're holy. This is why scripture would say we're so precious to God. 
Because as you and I are saved, it's not just that we go from sin to no sin. It's that we go so drastically from sinful to the righteousness of Christ by God's work. In fact, you could, you could define justification as this. I love this. I want to find this because I want to tell it to the right way. Justification would be the legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness is belonging to us. And not only does he think it, he then declares us to be righteous in his sight. This is where we get these beautiful truths. Like nothing can separate us from the love of God. Like there is nothing that you can do that would separate you from the love of God if you've been saved by him. Because one of the things that happens is is that when you and I are forgiven, when we inherit Christ's righteousness, it includes the sins we have committed, it includes the sins we are committing, and it includes all the sins you will ever commit and you haven't even thought about them yet. That it's holistic and that it's complete. That when Jesus yells, it is finished, he's saying, listen, this isn't up to you anymore. Like, it's not about your good works, and it's not about you trying to get to the Father, that justification is because of Christ, and through faith we believe in Him, we have been justified. This is what Paul is saying. Because we have been justified, because our sin has not only been removed, but because Christ's righteousness has been imparted upon us. That we would know God loves us, and that we would have access to Him. And that we would know that even in the midst of our suffering, that there is nothing, there's absolutely nothing that could separate us from his love. That we would inherit every truth and promise in scripture. That even in our most fearful moment, we would know that our God is good and our God is able. And he was able to save me once. And he's able to save me in every situation I ever work in. It means that I'm not taking active steps towards chaos and destruction and hell in my life. But it means because of Jesus, I'm taking steps closer and closer to him until one day I see him face to face. It means that because I have peace with God, because I'm not at war with him, because I'm not in rebellion of him, but because I have peace with him, that because in my relationship, because in my being, because even in the way he sees me, we're at peace That if I have the peace with a holy, holy, holy Father who created all things, it means very specifically that in every situation, in every detail, in every relationship, in every circumstance, that I can experience the peace of God. Now here's the thing. Every single one of us is looking for peace. I don't care who you are, who your mama is, where you came from. Every single one of us is looking for peace. The entire world is looking for peace. People do this all, all kinds of different ways. They, they try to get new stuff. And they think maybe a new car would bring me peace. Maybe a new house would bring me peace. Maybe, maybe a new job would bring me peace. Maybe a new relationship would bring me peace. In fact, some people go, hey, maybe a new marriage would just give me peace. But the reality is we know all those things fall short. Like a new car is great until it breaks down or needs new tires, and now it's all about stress and anxiety, right? Like a new phone is awesome until it loses signal. See, y'all got that one. You're like, piece of junk. I need the iPhone 25 STX, right? I mean, or just switch to Verizon. I don't know. That wasn't an endorsement. I'm just frustrated. Anyway, (laughs) these guys are distracting me. If we want peace that lasts, listen, listen, this is so important, this is what Paul's saying. If we want the peace of God, the only way to obtain it is if we have peace with God. And see, don't miss this. Many of us, many of us will try to get past the peace with God to get to the peace of God. And here, I'm just going to say it clearly, you can't get there. You can't get there. You can't have the peace of God if you don't have peace with God. Listen, you can't have the peace of the guy that you're rebelling against. It doesn't happen that way. You can't have the peace of the guy that you're at war with. You can't have peace with the God that you are actively rebelling against and say, I choose this stuff over you 10 out of 10 times. Like if we want God to show up, 
And if we want to know his everlasting love and his hope that trumps all things, and if we want his peace that transcends all circumstances, first we have to know him. And first we have to be at peace with him. First we have to know the love and the grace and the mercy and the salvation that he secured for us. Like, here's what I would say. If you're here today and you don't have this, then you need this before you ever get to the peace of God. In fact, you might be here today and you go, but you, you don't know my list of stress, and you don't know my list of anxiety, and you don't know all about all the stuff that I'm going through and all the stuff that's filled my heart, and I go, you're right, I don't. But here's what I know. I know that God. Like, I, I know Jesus who performs miracles. The guy that gives the blind their sight, the guy that makes the lame walk, the guy that feeds thousands with a couple fish and a couple pieces of bread, the guy who walks on water and brings people back from the grave, I know that God, and he is bigger than your circumstance. And if you want his peace, listen, your situation is not going to change in the next 20 minutes, but your relationship with this Savior can. And if you want the peace of him, you first need to be at peace with him. And listen, 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 listen to his words. Listen what Scripture says. I just want to continue on this track. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, 5 and 7. I'm going to read it also be up on the screen. This is Paul again. He says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. This is what he's saying. He's near. If you've got peace with him, he's here. He's at hand. We don't talk like that anymore, which is why I explained it. Like, You don't have company over and you're not like, they're at hand. You say they're here. The Lord is at hand. Now listen, listen. If he's here, if we have relationship with him, if we have peace with him, these are connected. Because he is here and because he's available and because he's close, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is, again, this is what Paul says. If he's with you, if he's for you, if he's around you, if he's in you, then don't be anxious about anything, but have his peace. Because if he's here, then you know what comes with him is his peace that goes beyond everything we'll ever experience, that his peace is greater, his peace is mightier. In fact, I love the words of Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 27. And listen, meditate on these ones this week. Read this over and over and over again this week. Because I would say, in the the sense of really understanding this, I'm like in first grade. I mean, honestly. This takes place the night before Jesus is going to hang on the cross. He knows what's coming. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's next. And this is what he says to those who follow him, to those who love him. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says, listen, you're about to see some stuff. Jesus says, listen, I'm about to go to the cross. Like, listen, I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to be beaten. You're going to see me like you've never seen me before. But listen, peace, I leave with you. And he goes, I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace. And you know what he means? He goes, I'm going to give my life so that you could always have peace. She says, I'm about to go overcome the world. I'm about to overcome sin. I'm about to overcome Satan. I'm about to overcome death. And you know why I'm going to overcome these things? So that you never have to be afraid. So that you never have to completely freak out. So that in all things you could know that I have reconciled you so that you could have peace with God. So that you could have the peace of God. Now here's the thing, and I get it. For many of us who go, listen, this all sounds great. But I'm not exactly sure how it changes my situation. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to show you a couple videos 
of people who very, very clearly, on their own, some of these we've had for a while, some of them we just filmed, has said, listen, because of my relationship with God, I experienced the peace of God. Because for many of us, go, listen, I'm so glad that God showed up and saved Daniel. And this is what I'm telling you. God continues to do this stuff today. Here you go. Here's our first one. I was uh, saved when I was a young boy, probably eight, nine years old, and grew up in a family that uh, loved God, and we attended church regularly, and uh, we were active in the church. As I got older in high school, and I uh, started um, falling, you know, prey to some of the temptations of life, and as I went on through my college years and into my 30s and 40s, I kept getting further and further from God and um, not honoring Him the way I should and living my life the way I should. And after some time, just asked God to forgive me for the way I'd been and that I wanted to, you know, give my life, redevote my life to Him again and and uh, do His will and uh, continue to have my daily devotional reading and praying and and uh, going through um, the word and again gaining strength from it and it was real important to me because shortly after that I went through a number of uh, disappointments in my life uh, lost my job uh, my father passed away lost other family members during all these the difficult times the one thing I always kept in mind is how God blessed me for so many years even when I wasn't uh, living my life the way I should have he he blessed me and you know, though I went through good I went through bad times um, you know he he'd already equipped me to to be able to handle some of that. I started looking for a, a local church and visited several and came to Meadowland and uh, found it to be a, a church filled with true Christ followers that uh, care for one another and care for and care about their God and, and um, want others to share in the joy that they have. And as I was going through all these challenges in life and uh, really being able to you know, turn just to God in prayer and uh, pour out my heart and uh, let him know what I was feeling. Uh, when I did that, um, it was just freeing, you know, to, to say, God, I can't do this on my own, so I'm giving it to you. And uh, having that, um, having that to lean on is is so um, you know, brings me so much relief knowing that uh, you don't have to go through it alone. God's there with you. I struggled for a long time, but I now have the job that uh, I I wanted to have for probably the last five years, and it's uh, and. Uh, you know, it was worth the journey to uh, to have the patience to know that it's God's plan, it's His schedule, and we just need to have faith to know that He'll do for us in His time, not necessarily on ours. One of the things I love that, that John said, and John's here. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. Is that it was worth the journey. Like how in the world is something like that worth the journey? Unless peace with God also provides us with the peace of God. In fact, we've got another video we'll show you right now where God showed up and 
and provided not only a specific need, but revealed so many things to the person involved. Go ahead. About a year ago, uh, things started to unravel for Aaron and I uh, financially. Uh, it got harder and harder for us to pay our mortgage and to pay all of our bills and come up with uh, groceries and food on the table and getting gas to go to work. On top of this financial situation that we had, uh, we also have had a major septic issue in our backyard. Um, we had uh, sewage water showing up at the very back of the yard for longer than I'd like to admit, um, and uh, probably close to two years. And going out in your backyard, for me to go out in the backyard was not very satisfying, wasn't relaxing, because you'd go back there and you'd get a whiff of sewage. And uh, knowing that you don't have the finances to fix that is really hard. Financially, we're struggling with trying to figure out a way to pay our mortgage every month. And I've got major issues with our cars and then with our septic. Um, it, as a man, it's, it's a feeling that you can't support your family and take care of them. I mean, the septic bothered me so much, I'd, I'd lose sleep at night. I'd, I'd scour the internet for miracles. Uh, if I spend $300 on this yeast bacteria, it'll fix our problem. And I thought, oh, 300 bucks, I can just charge that on my credit card and make it happen. And I thought, well, what a waste of $300 if it doesn't work. So. I was looking and searching for any way that I could get this fixed, some miracle that would just make it happen. And uh, I mean, these are things that we'd pray about, Aaron and I'd pray about at dinner. We'd pray about it going to bed. Uh, we'd pray about it. it. I'd get up in the middle of the night and pray about it. And, and I didn't know how, I didn't know why God would, would keep us in this position to where we couldn't financially move forward. And finally, I just said, all right, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I wrote it down on a communication card at, at church. And to be honest, I hadn't written anything down up until this point because up to that point it was because it's just flat out embarrassing, uh, not knowing, uh, admitting the fact that that you can't fix it. Uh, that afternoon, uh, after that church service, where I had written that down as a prayer request we went over to the friend's house from churches for 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 dinner and uh we talked about how you know we didn't we had missed hanging out with each other and and um and some of the struggles that we were having and, and i admitted to him i said i don't know how this is going to work um, i have this major septic issue and I have no way to fix it. The only way I can fix it is is to cash in my 401k, which is literally the last the last chunk of savings that we would have had left. And he said, "Well, you know," and I, he's like, "You know what? We'll we'll pray about it for you and 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 figure out what we can do." That next day, uh, that evening, uh, the, that that following day. He called me up. He said, "Hey, did you did you figure anything out out about your septic?" And I said, "No." I, and I kind of laughed because I was thinking, "This is less than 24 hours that we've had this conversation." And he says, "Well, let me. I'm going to come over. I'm gonna come over. Come over. I got to talk to you." I said, "Okay." He came over and he he said, "I think I've. I think I know. I think I've got a solution for your septic issue." And he handed me an envelope, and it was the nicest letter that I'd ever received, um, talking about how much he loved us and how much he missed our friendship, uh, how much he enjoyed our friendship. And uh, handed me a check and said, "I think, I think this should fix your septic." To know that within. 24 hours 
that I had written this on my communication card and communicated it to God to say, Lord, it is yours. I can't, I physically can't do it anymore. And for him literally the next day to say, I've been carrying you this whole time and I've just been waiting. I've just been waiting for you to give it to me. It was the greatest feeling in the world to know that God was there carrying us, letting me know that through our friends, through people at this church, he was going to help us and to not leave our side. Knowing that he had always been there was probably the most reassuring thing because at some point I felt like God had forgotten about us and just said, you know what? You guys are doing it on your own. That's fine. But realizing that he had been there moving us through this the whole time was the biggest testament to me that God was real and that he was there and that he had never left us. And if it takes a situation for like this for us to solely 100% depend on God for what we need to do in our lives, then that's what I'm willing to do. God is good. Peace with God gives us the peace of God. See, one of the other things that I wanted to communicate with you this morning is not only does God do that stuff here, and not only do I believe that God wants to do a work here, but God is doing a work all over the place. And one of the things you, you probably don't even realize that is if you give to Meadowland Church or support Meadowland Church, you actually support the work of God in other places. In fact, if you're here this morning, you go, man, I just need something from the Lord um, just to know that he is good and that he's doing good work. Maybe this video would encourage you this morning as well. Hello, Meadowland Church. My name is Jonathan Heron, and I'm the pastor of Life Church up in Saginaw, Michigan. We are a brand new start from scratch church plant in Saginaw, which has the dubious distinction of having the most murders per capita of any city in the United States. So, obviously, the love of Christ uh, is something that we want to bring to the Great Lakes Bay region here in Michigan. And thanks to you, we are doing just that. Uh, I'm kind of from your area. I grew up in the Quad Cities, Davenport, Iowa, Moline, Illinois. And then for college, I went to Columbia College in downtown Chicago and studied at the Second City Training Center. Uh, many, many years later, I have been married to my high school sweetheart, Amber, for 14 years, and we have two children, raising them up here in the Saginaw, Michigan area. And we are in the beginning stages of launching this new church, Life Church from Scratch. And here's the amazing thing, Meadowland Church. You have been blessed with uh, leaders who love God and have a vision for impacting the world. For the last several months, whether you realize it or not, uh, Pastor Adam and the leadership at Meadowland have been generously um, sending support, financial support, to our brand new church. And that financial support has enabled us to make one-time startup purchases and to help get the word out to a region that uh, could use the love of Christ. And so thanks to you, we are starting to see the very beginnings of a movement of God here in Saginaw, Michigan. And so I just wanted to publicly thank you, thank your leaders. I uh, wish to show honor uh, to Pastor Adam and, and the leaders. That takes a lot of vision to jump on board with the beginning stages of a new church. Um, we definitely covet your prayers as we are trying to engage people who are very far from God, and we will be praying for you. Uh, we pray that God will bless you in amazing ways. Uh, so excited to hear about what's happening at Meadowland, and uh, again, thank you for your generosity, for your love, and for your support and encouragement.
And you guys are doing that through your, uh, through your giving, through your faithfulness, through your generosity to the Unleash the Vision campaign. It's not only about expanding our ministry here, but we believe in tithing. And so we tithe, and so 10% of Unleash the Vision goes to support a church planting in other churches and ministries. And so for the last few months, we've had the opportunity to walk alongside John and his team up at Life Church, Michigan. And I want you to hear that. Not only is Jesus doing a work here, but he's using your faithfulness and your generosity and your giving to see lives transformed up in Saginaw, Michigan. And, and here's, here's what I want you to know. I honestly believe that Christ wants to do a work in our hearts today. That maybe for some of us, it's just that understanding that the relationship with him translates to a very real peace in our lives despite our circumstances. But maybe there's even some of us here today that you don't have that relationship. Maybe the, during the course of this message, you've had that awakening inside of you, that realization to say, man, I, for the, I just feel like for the first time, I need to give my life to Jesus, and I don't know what to do next. And the, what Scripture tells us to do is to respond to him by repenting of our sins, saying, God, forgive me, inviting him into our lives, and saying, God, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. And Scripture says at that moment, According to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with one heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Listen, Meadowland Church, peace with God gives us peace of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, and I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that because of who you are, we can have peace. Whether we can have peace with you, and we just praise Jesus, and thank you for Jesus, that because of him, and because of his sacrifice, that we might be able to be reconciled with you, redeemed with you, justified in your eyes, that we would actually be holy. That when you look upon us, that you would actually see the works and the righteousness and the glory of Jesus. And we thank you for that gift. God, I pray that we would begin to understand that the relationship with you, God, that that would give us peace no matter what we're going through. God, I pray that we would get a bigger, clearer vision of who you are, that that would change us, or that we'd begin to experience you no matter where we are, what we're going through. God, I pray in these next few moments as we just respond to you through giving, as we respond to you through worship, God, I pray that we would thankfully exalt your name for what you've done. And God, that you would show up in an incredible way. Grant us your presence and grant us your peace, oh God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.